Motown Rundown. It is Wednesday, January 26th. Thanks for stopping by. Hate that I said that. That's such a weird, like, that's like a Mr. Rogers type thing. Would you Thanks like to stop and buy? Would you like to start? No, over? no, no, no. We're not starting over. You guys, <laughs> you know, you know how this show runs. We hit record and we go unless something ridiculous happens. But I gotta find something better next time. Thanks for stopping by. That's all I had in me. Whatever. We move on, um, guys. It's great to see your faces. Um, here's the thing with like these shows now that the Lions obviously there's nothing much going on on their front until the draft. The Tigers. Baseball's not even being played this uh, this spring, summer, and fall um, as of right now. So we got nothing on that front. So we got Lions – or not Lions, sorry. Red Wings for you. We have Pistons for you. But the most important thing to talk about is Matthew Stafford, uh, obviously, of course. If you if you listen to last week's episode, you, you know that that's the majority of By what the we way, covered. I have completely we're do it again my, today. I, I really hope we're on the same page here because if not – I'm just going to tell the people it's going to be, I'm going to get very mad. I'm going to get mad. Well, we can, we'll be on the same page. I'm sure. Actually, maybe not. That's I don't the think we're going to be. Show. I, I, I saw, don't even. Yeah. That's a I crazy saw a tweet. I saw a tweet. By the way, what's it called? I want to tell the listeners. I would still, I was more, I had to work Sunday morning. So tr- I wake up and I see Trent called me four times. Yeah. He called me. I, I actually Saturday night and I almost texted him back. Until I saw his message. Sorry, guys. I'm just on cloud nine. Aaron Rodgers sucks or something. Like yeah, Trent. That. I, I was at. Was wrong. Trent was called like, me. Is he all right? Trent called me two or three times Saturday night, and usually, like, usually Trent's very self-aware because sometimes Trent will call me, and I'm like working or I'm not like not doing anything fun, and Trent's just three sheets to the wind. So usually Trent's pretty self-aware, and he'll like make the one phone call recognize I don't answer. I'm pro- I never like ghost Trent ever, but you know, I'm probably busy. He'll shoot me a text. Sorry. Just hammered. Wanted to talk 21 plus show by the way, but I'm like, Oh yeah, dude, no problem. But Saturday night after the Packers game, I didn't get to watch either of the football games Saturday. Cause I was at the Eric church concert, not a big deal. So I'm like, I'm vibing. Like I'm doing my thing. I'm mid Eric church. <clears throat> Excuse me. Absolutely loving it. Trent calls me two or three times because like, like you said, Collins, now I'm starting to get a little worried. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, is that his house burned down? Who knows? So then when the text came across of like, I'm happy that Aaron Rodgers lost and the, the Packers empire is burning down. I was like, okay, dude, we'll, we'll get to this another time. But Trent, well, yeah, uh, so I, I apologize because yes, I was blitzed. And no, there's I, no apologizing there's necessary. No apologizing. I'm just trying to just set was, the scene of what was, was going concerned. on. No, yeah. okay. So I no, I'm, I apologize for concerning you guys. I know I pester you all. I'm like your little brother. I call you guys all the time with like stuff happens. Like, <laughs> I all of that. No, I'm I am. I am. People I'm just like call each other more. I'm just like, hey, um, yeah. I, I don't know, dude. I was so psyched that the Packers lost, and I was just trying to look for someone to confide in that. Joy I looked at me. your tweet the next day too, Trent. Yeah, you were so I, happy. I had to delete the tweet. It's just like they don't even have an owner. I'm I like, know. I deleted that tweet. I I there, I de- I tweeted like five things as soon as the Packers lost, and yeah, I, one of them Were was you like, like at Rich's. No, I was at my house. I was I was literally That's at even my more house. dangerous to be honest. <laughs> really, yeah, I'm surrounded by the energy of my dad, my brothers, my mom, even, and it was like, yeah, we were just having a blast. All those bellies in the house just it just breeds. Well, control chaos. The thing is, too, like Collins, did you watch the game? Yeah, I watched it. 
so the the thing is is like he played that, bad he well he played terrible but the way the game was was it, it turned on a dime so it was just exciting because it's like all of a sudden the the Niners are actually in it like it was just the emotional no, you're right you're right getting to the red zone twice turning it over then finally like a play goes your way and it's like holy shit the Niners might actually win this game and then to watch to have to watch Aaron Rodgers on the sideline just helpless as as his career ticks off and is done I, it was amazing so that's all that's all also more important maybe a segue here Matthew Stafford ended Tom Brady's career which is pretty awesome yes <laughs> yes it was very awesome i you know that's yeah. definitely a layer it, the Tom Brady thing is a layer to it 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 definitely is and if we want to talk about it we can but what's it called do you guys like are there Tom Brady stands yeah, oh yeah are what there i i there's like what is that I mean, what does that word mean he's a michigan grad i think it's more of a michigan thing oh yeah dude dude i will tell you no 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 i, no, I know I'm go ahead i don't mean to that, cut you but off but i, I don't know. i don't necessarily think there's like Outside of Michigan, in me, I mean, there's in New England, it's a different animal. I mean, he was there for 20 years, but like, I don't think there's a like Brady stance. You know what I mean? It's like whatever. You're tired. I don't even understand the word. I don't. I don't even. Know you don't what do what stand means. means. No. What does that mean? It's like Trent is, is a LeBron stand. Like he loves him. Do you have you ever heard a song by Eminem called Stan? Oh, that's where that term comes from. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Of course, I've heard the song "Stand by Eminem." Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, by the way, this Super Bowl halftime show is about to be the best thing you've ever. Oh, seen. I, dude, I, I don't know well, if I, must, I must have if missed. They, the, by the way, if Eminem the- tries to do any of his new music, I'm just gonna turn you won't. it off. He won't. He'll, turn he'll, it off. he'll do like he'll do all the old school stuff, but dude, I, I if he just wrapped out, I'll throw up. My one comment on that whole thing, my only comment for now. And then we'll put a pin in it. Is Mary J. Blige is going to get by far the least amount of love, and I'm not here for it. I love her. I absolutely like. Dude, she, she deserves the least. You well, kidding I'm me, not, dude? Who does she deserve to get love over? I Why is she there? She's got a fantastic voice, man. She's got a fantastic voice. I don't. I don't even. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to pretend to like say that I know music by her. I get that she's pretty uh, recognizable. Or well, she's look, a, look, pretty notable artist. Yeah, MJB. History. She's a queen. When you when you're on the stage with Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and Kendrick, I understand you're gonna. That's why I say she's going to get the least amount of love because she's like the least famous. But she deserves, I think, a little more love than like. Uh, like Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg's cool. Everyone loves Snoop Dogg. So he's inevitably going to get a ton of love, but I'm saying as a musician and an artist, that's a whole just conversation for a different day. I just wanted to say that I wanted to be on the record saying that I love MJ. Thanks. Well, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Thank you. Back Thank to Stafford. Back to Stafford. Well, as far as the Tom Brady stands, I, I think the funniest thing about it is, and I'll, I'll, it's part of the, the narrative here of my viewing experience on Sunday. One of the guys I was watching with two of my buddies. One of them is a U of M grad, like one of the biggest U of M fans ever. And I respect him for it because he lives and dies by it. And he, of course, you know, when he gets a little tuned up, he's obnoxious like the rest of the fan base, but for like, he's a Tom Brady guy. And I always give him crap for it. I, well, I don't know why I said crap. I give him shit for it. That was so weird. I gave him shit for Bunch it. Because, crap. Yeah. Like what? Like you baby. 
I give him shit for it because it's like, yeah, dude, I, you're a big Tom Brady fan because he went to your school and had two like really very average years as a starting quarterback before you Not were even, even born. That. He was good and they just fucked it up. Well, before you were even born, like, so whatever. But it was, the, I was like essentially rooting by myself for Matthew Stafford because I got my other like glass half empty friend who's his whole thing was, why is it such a big deal that Stafford won a playoff game? Like he should have won one. I don't know why the people in the city care anymore. So I'm dealing with that. And then I'm dealing with Tom Brady's the greatest of all time on his, on his knees, licking the TV as the, as the Buccaneers are coming back. So as far as the game is concerned, Stafford played really, really well. Again, the Rams looked like the Rams did against the Cardinals for the majority of that game before they decided to let Cam Akers who, who honestly is probably better off re-tearing his Achilles tendon and going back oh, on the IR geez. because after that performance, he shouldn't touch the ball again for the rest of the playoffs. But after, after in the, the, the worst part about that game was I was watching what the lions did to Stafford for over a decade, like shooting him in the foot, like letting Stafford like walk out there and like putting bullets in his back of we're going to fumble the ball on like on the goal line as we're going into score. We're going to fumble the ball almost on our own goal line to allow the other team to score. The defense fell asleep and nothing was really working for them at all. The so, other thing to it too, Rabs, is like the fact that Brady has done this so many times too. Like Brady has like gotten breaks and cut your throat with it. You yeah, know? Ex- exactly. So it's like, oh my God, like, okay, Todd, here Tom Brady goes again. Like I'm going to have to hear the he's ageless, he whatever, like all this bullshit again. So just for the Buccaneers to like come all the way back. And then I'm, I'm telling you guys, because I'm sitting in this basement and I got, you know, the, these two guys are looking at me. Go, oh no, like, here we go again. And when the Buccaneers score that touchdown and they tie the game up and I, I'm starting to, you know, I compartmentalize what's going on in front. I of never me. lost I see, faith. I, I never see lost 42 faith. seconds, Trent. I see 42 seconds and I see one timeout and I'm thinking like, I've seen this so many times. Like, I know what's about to happen. Dude, I, I texted all my buddies in the group chat. I literally, I even, I said it before Tom Brady even scored. I was like, dude, Too Brady's, Brady's going to score. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, just watch, just watch this happen. Cause Rabs, you're exactly, and it's not even bragging. It's just all these Lions no, fans. No. It's vindication for all these Lions fans who have seen this over and over. You're exactly right. Yes. And it just, for, for the, for them to go out, in like the most Stafford-esque fashion and just to put it and rub it in everyone's face who, and you knew, and I was talking to my uncle Steven about this briefly about how you, you know, that if, if Stafford loses that game, let alone loses it in the fashion that the Rams were about to lose, that's a whole in Collins. You said this last week, that's a whole other part of the narrative that I can't stand that comes right back up and blows up in your face. So for him to lead the charge all the way downfield, two perfect passes, an unreal catch by Cooper Cup, and then I, I, you know, you see the side by side video of what he did against Dallas of rushing everyone to the line, and of course he okay. went with the fake spike you against like, Dallas. Did you like that? It was just cool. It was like I didn't, as it was going on, I wasn't, I wasn't like, oh my god, this is like Dallas, but I, but it was just to see like the energy. It was just vintage Stafford gets everyone to the line, spikes the ball. The kick goes up and they move on and to do it against Brady. And especially when, when, when they came all the way back in that game too. And now like 
I don't, I don't really, you know, if, if we, if we have enough time and want to talk about like, what are the implications for Tom Brady, we can, it, it sounds like I, no one knows what they're talking about. So anyone that thinks that Brady's retiring has no idea what's going on. And anyone that has this, like, oh yeah, he's coming back for X amount. More, no, no one knows anything besides Tom Brady. And maybe he doesn't even know yet, but it, it was just amazing to see. And now Matthew Stafford is playing for an NFC championship and against the team that he's lost to twice this year, once and was never even in the game. And the other time, I think they blew that lead and lost that in overtime by three as well. And he did not play very well in that game against the Niners. So um, we can we can leave that for for maybe the end and where we go from here. But for, for Stafford to get two playoff wins, one of them being against the greatest quarterback of all time and in a team, the defending Super Bowl champions and in, in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just like there to me after this this run is over even if they lose to uh to San Francisco on Sunday this this will be the last time on the Motown rundown you'll hear me like probably do this with Stafford from the state like it's like he's he's proven to me and, and he's shown me what I wanted everyone to see so like he'll be back in the playoffs next year he'll go deep in the playoffs as long as he's with this Rams team unless the team gets broken up so it's been to, to have that second one was just the icing on the cake of like, here you go, guys. He did it in comeback fashion, as you saw him do for over a decade. He beat Tom Brady, and, and now we're moving on. Collins? I just want your guys' take on the social media reaction to Stafford winning because everything you said, Rams, I'm fine with. I, I personally was fist bumping. I bet on the Rams. I was happy to see Stafford do that. Because I like Matthew Stafford. I don't worship him. Like some I don't understand this. I really don't. Like in Ravs, I, I don't I'm not saying you're one of these people, but like you guys saw the video of the guy like crying basically. That Stafford yeah, the like, guy jumping up in, in the I, black I, I, there's, I get I'm not like I don't hate people who root for Stafford and stuff like I rooted for Stafford too. I was happy for him. It also in the back of my head, in the pit of my stomach, is if he wins a Super Bowl, it will murder me. I will not <laughs> be able to heal that. I, I won't be able to do that. So, like for all the people who are like, oh, I just want him to like he we we get it. We get it. The problem was the Detroit Lions. But like I and, and Rabs, I think it's fair to like take a little victory lap too for a lot of people like you and Trent, who were always in the camp of Stafford and stuff like that when others had doubts and stuff. But like I said last week, he was not blameless. He failed in Detroit. It just didn't work out. It's And that doesn't mean it was his fault, but they failed in Detroit, and he wasn't blameless. Point blank. But I just don't – like, he was a great player for the Detroit Lions. Why are people worshiping him like he's a god? It's, like, a very bizarre to me. Well, here's what I think it is. It's mostly just – and, Collins, you're right, actually. I hear you. Like, I completely – you're right. That's some of the like social – People are acting like stuff. the Lions won a divisional game. Well, like, so, guys, and I think, I think what it is, Collins, especially for our generation, is that is as close as what it's felt like for us just because for the people who did love Stafford and were in his corner now get to, like, just root for him, and it makes it more interesting, and you're actually somewhat emotionally invested instead of just, like, Oh, I did squares in the Super Bowl, or I like embedding on this. Like, it's actually like you are rooting for Matthew Stafford, which is like you know a lot, a lot of a lot of Rams fans and, and and Lions fans love this dude already and stuff. So it's just that's what it is. But I agree with you that some of the stuff's been a little over the top. Like, calm down, you know. I 
Here's what I, here's it's, what I, it's bizarre. And, it's, and, no, before Rabs, and, and Rabs, you're shaking your head. Well, yeah, what you just said, like five minutes ago, Trent, I'm going to let you finish, but Rabs is shaking his head. What you said, Rabs was very mild mannered, was fair. You are notably a person who I've called on the show that have said, I don't think you like the lions. I think you just like Matthew <laughs> Stafford and you're not nowhere near. You're nowhere near what some of the people on Twitter and some of the people on social media have done with Matthew Stafford. I'm going to let Trent finish. Yeah, and then go ahead, Trent. I'm, I'm going to explain to you my point of view. But okay. Ahead. I just had one point before Rab's rebuttals is simply just that what I will not stand for and what I will not like take is the people who get mad. And I, I yelled about this last week for five minutes, so I won't, but the people who get mad at Lions fans for rooting for Stafford because they're like, it's worse for our draft pick. That that drives me fucking crazy. That's different. Yeah, I, yeah. No, I, I know. I just wanted to make that clear. Like, those people are losers. Like, let, let me just root for our quarterback for 12 years because I'm happy for him because he's, like, a good guy and he deserves to win. Like, it's not like I'm rooting against our team, dude. We still have the second overall pick. Go ahead, Ravs. Well, I, I – I will be completely transparent with you guys because I had a friend send me the video of the, the the kid in the black Stafford jersey losing his mind. I had the exact same reaction so on did Sunday. I, I the slapped exact the floor, same. Going crazy. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna explain. I'm gonna explain the rationale behind it. The so, exact same reaction. You were pretty, crying. pretty. I wasn't crying, but I was jumping up and down, screaming at the top of my lungs. What? When, like, Dude. I'm. I, I, let me explain the rationale. There's Number no one, rationale. There's rationale. You don't want to hear it because you're just a you're you poopy pants, uh, spit up on the bib guy. I'm trying to explain the rationale. Number one, Matthew. First of all. I want to be on, I want to go on the record right now and saying I only root for four professional sports teams. We talk about them every week here on the podcast. I'm not a Rams fan and I'm not like the Brady lovers who became Patriots fans or the Brady lovers that have become Bucks fans. Of course, you have to take, you know, you, you can't the, the two things are not mutually exclusive. You you really do have to root for the Rams if you're rooting for Stafford. But Everyone in their lives has athletes, at least me, I'm a sports guy. We're all sports guys. We have athletes that we worship and admire, and they are our heroes and that we look up to. Steve Eiserman's one of those guys for me. Growing up as a Lions fan, Matthew Stafford is one of those guys for me as well. Just from the standpoint of the talent, his demeanor, the way he carried himself, what he did in the community, and all these things that come together that made Matthew Stafford who he was. There's a certain element of Matthew Stafford when you're that invested in someone. Like, for example, Trent Bally loves LeBron James. He's not a Lakers fan. He has the Lakers logo covered up on, on LeBron's poster that he has, but he still loves LeBron, so he wants to see LeBron succeed. Matthew Stafford, for me, it got to a point where I'm watching this Lions team just be so I mean granted he had some some very nice years in Detroit but seeing the totality of the body of work to see a guy that you like that much in Collins I'm sure you have your athlete and you know whether he's a Detroit guy or not but to pl but playing for my hometown team that I love and an athlete on that team that I love uh, uh, tremendously 
to see him get dragged for, in my opinion, I'm going to call it opinion, even though it is, as we watch Matthew Stafford go on and on, it's becoming more fact for him to get screwed based on the organization that he played for doing everything he can every single week, battling through injuries, getting killed on the field, dealing with media and the fans that want him to step up more and say more. And it was, it was always humble. It was never about him. It was always about the team. The fact that he was a staple in the community, all those things together, and then I have to watch him get dragged by these quote-unquote Lions fans and the national media that continue to disrespect him and discount his talent and minimize who he is and call him a loser because he couldn't win a playoff game playing for the single worst embarrassing poverty joke of an organization in sports automotive entertainment, any industry you want. The Lions are the biggest losers, worst, poorly run everything. For him to be the face of that team and to never say a word, to not say boo about how bad the team is, how he never had an offensive line, how he had a good defense for one year, how he had a, a yeah, his running backs for the most part would, would average 300 total yards a season while he was the quarterback. Yes, he had Megatron, and he helped his ass get to the Hall of Fame. But for all of that to happen, and for the ungrateful, sorry-ass Lions fans that want to look at him. I'm almost done. They want to look at him and go, you are the reason why the Lions couldn't get over the edge. To that, I say, fuck you. And I look at all this stuff. Or like that. Yes, they are. They they do exist. Those aren't Lions fans. But, the, but okay, but they wear the jerseys, yeah, they support the team, they do the thing. That I, is ten percent of people who watch Lions teams. I ten percent too much. It's ten percent okay, too much. But this this is not a matter of like seeing your ex girlfriend marry some guy, and you're like, oh wow, like I'm ha-. no. It, it's like it's like your best friend. You know, falls on tough times. Maybe he's going to rehab, can't find his way, whatever. And then, you know, you see him walking down the road one day and he's looking nice. He's dressed nice. He's got a family. And you just kind of nod and acknowledge, like, you know what? We've been through it together. I'm happy to see that you're doing yes, well. And that's how I feel. If you okay, don't have a horse in the race, I'm it's fine the- with that. I'm fine with that. But we literally have had something similar happen. And I, Justin Verlander, accomplish a lot more than Matthew Stafford did in Detroit was the same fixture in the community was beloved and no what when he won his like the world series in Houston it wasn't treated like oh I'm so happy for the savior and I understand the Detroit Tigers are a much better franchise than the Detroit Lions it is a different circumstance I just think it's like we could be happy. I'm fine with people being happy. I'm not like uh, poo-pooing on it. I'm fine if you want to root for him. But the ads like this guy, Safford, was a good quarterback for us. And he has proved, hey, put a good team around him. He could go out and win a couple playoff games and put you in Super Bowl contention. He has proved that. But it also doesn't diminish the fact that, like, you're acting like this guy's like Isaiah Thomas. Or, like, he's in this echelon of, like, legends. I just don't get it. Like, he was a great player. I liked his personality. It seemed like everyone who's ever played with him loved Matthew Stafford, which I think is a credit to him. But, like, for, like, people in the city of Detroit to be, like, crying and, like, 
This is like the Lions are in a divisional. It's just such a it's honestly I think it's a big time loser like move to be not and I'm not saying what you like you're not being I, people are acting like the Lions won a division or something. I, I I people are doing this. Like do you see people like oh the lot like this is like a win for the Lions. How is it a win for the well, Lions? I, I guess this is a reason, not. It's like, not a win for the Lions. It has that, nothing to do with the Lions. In, in my opinion, well, it's in spite of the Lions. I just think I, that dude, the reason people I, are I, getting that excited counts is because the Lions, you're right, like they haven't won the division. They haven't won a playoff game. We don't know what that feels like. We physically, emotionally, mentally don't know what the fuck that feels like. <laughs> so it, it definitely, it's like, as close as we've gotten to that, to see the franchise quarterback we grew up rooting for win. Because like Rab said, like when he gets the ball with 42 seconds, you've seen this in a different uniform. So you're happy and you're excited for him. And when there's, when you don't have a horse in the race and there's four teams left, like that's a big deal. So that's, that's all, that's all it is. I don't know. I, I agree with, I don't, I, there has been a massive overreaction to what is that? Like, I think it's fair for people like Rabs, U2 TV, to like stick in my face. You were wrong. He he can win. He's truly like this top tier of a quarterback, something like that. To celebrate it like he's one of your kids, I just don't understand. I tr- like, and I, I honestly, it doesn't make it. I think it's a newer sports fan generation. I'm a very old person. For a 22 year old person, I really am. I'm really like my father's son, but like, I I, I really do think it's like a newer thing because I I just don't get it. Like as someone who loves the Lions, loves it. Like I I just I I'm happy for him, but like we're acting like this guy cured cancer, and he's not even on our team anymore. The comparison I want to address. The, like, like, I want to address the comparison you made between JV and Stafford. When Justin Verlander won his World Series ring, I was I was happy. I was like, "Good for you, JV." I was all. happy, but I think when you look at the Tigers versus the Lions, the it's Tigers. Different. I said that. Really, well, yeah, really Cal- good. Collins, Collins acknowledged that. Yes, it's, but but, but is- you're looking you're looking back on JV winning a ring, and everyone's thought was like. Good for you, JV. You deserve one because you were great here. But it's like, damn, how the fuck did the Tigers not get that done? With you what not we feel had? that a little bit with the Lions? No, because they suck. Yeah, you, when have you ever? When have you ever seen Justin Verlander walk off the mound and go, "Damn, JV, I'm so sorry. We just can't give you enough." Even though you're you're playing for a title in 06 and 2012, every time Matthew Stafford walked off the field Dude, after I, some bullshit from the refs or from his own team bending him over during Stafford, the game, like. Cure cancer to you, Rabs. I don't understand. Like, no, he, but I'm trying, like he to the, I'm trying to explain. I'm trying to explain the relationship between between the Lions in the with Stafford and the Tigers with JV. I, I, I watched week after thing. week when the Lions would lose games and Stafford would walk off the field, and you you would just be like, "Damn, Matt, I'm sorry, I'm suffering too." Did Stafford, I don't know what it is. Like, what happened? What did I miss? Did, did he? I I just I I love Matthew Stafford, and it just it like 
dude, do you, Collins, do you know, do you remember? You actually, I know I you know, know the Lions. No, no, I know you know the Lions. Me. No, this is the thing that bugs me because the Lions had talent. I, You act like he was playing on the Jags for like 15 years. The Jags, had, the Jags won on the, they went to the AFC championship game yeah, with no, Blake Bortles. With Blake, like, the Lions had like the best defense in football in 2014. One year? What? For a year. For a year. One year. He never had no line. Well, look, one year, and the Lions went 11 and 5. One year with the Rams, right? Yes. I'm just saying, he had opportunities in Detroit. And I don't even think, like 2014, they should have won that game at Cowboys. So that's screwed by the refs. There's other things like them not. Well, that's a the, big deal. That's a big deal. I because Collins, Collins, you against him. I, I know what Collins. You are I'm right. Holding the times where Aaron Rodgers got hurt twice and we somehow didn't win the division. I understand. Listen, Collins, you are right, and I, I will give you a message. I just I, listen. You this are is right. Because, the same argument we had last week. I, yeah, no, I so don't we, need to do this. We can we can wrap it up. I just wanted to say, Collins, you hit the nail on the head when you said the Lions had a great defense in 2014. They did. But then you follow it up with they got screwed by the refs. So what Rabs is saying is like, no matter what, through thick and thin, hell or high water, he's just been a class act and a great guy. And, and what I'm I saying is – what I'm, I know you do. I'm not coming. You're the one coming after the well, what Collins, my point you're, is. You're talking about his shortcomings, and you follow it up with we got screwed by the ref. Do you? Year. Do you guys? Oh, can I? I'm gonna ask both of you yeah, guys but, this. Do Do you both? On do you remember? Because we were young. How unwatchable bad the Lions were before Stafford with your quarterbacks of Mike McMahon, Joey Harrington, John Kitna, Sean, what's it, Sean White, what, whatever the fetch Sean, well, well, Sean Hill. So, so when Matthew Stafford comes in for, for guys like my father who got to watch Barry and then would then was watching high school football for the next 20 years until Matthew Stafford came in, that man single-handedly breathed hope into a terrible organization to where the Lions, yes, had some good years. And a lot of it had to do with Matthew Stafford. Justin Verlander was a terrific, terrific, one of the best starting pitchers ever. He didn't single-handedly change the franchise. They had Miggy. They had Scherzer. Oh, my God. Collins, they went 0-16 the year before. Do you remember that when they went 0-16? Kitna, McMahon, Harrington, Hill, McCown, all the guys I named. Dante, cool, and now it's back to shit without him, which brings me to my final point. Like, the... You're so do not like, put DeAndre Levy. In, no, but hey, like hey, 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 DeAndre no, Levy. I, I, it just it. Stafford, I think for the last four years of his career, Rabs, you can make that argument that he lifted up around everyone around him. I really, you were correct there. Once Calvin because, left, once Calvin left, he was yes, like he yeah. he lifted everyone in that. Even with Calvin there, Calvin's last like two years, maybe the last five or six. Of his line's career, but you like can't forget like the first like six or seven where he was good, but like he had his flaws. I just I I I just I'm not I don't understand I don't understand the worshiping thing. I'm not saying he didn't, but I my, well, my final the, my final party that's what people are though. They're like you can blame Aaron Rodgers for having a bad game and stuff like that, and like give him all this shit for not like 
performing in Lambeau and the great ones, the MVPs get it done in a game like that. But you can't like, we're not allowed to point out that Stafford has a, had a losing record against good teams in Detroit. And I understand not a lot. And that's not all on Matthew Stafford, but he's a part of that. Like he is, I just, that's my last point. I don't want to talk okay. about that. I, I think the last this thing feels I will like say, an old Motown rundown. I know, I know. The last thing I will say is I, I think what makes it so easy to, to be this invested in Stafford right now is that, dude, there is no one on the Lions roster or in the front office or in the janitorial department that I care about. I don't care about the, the Lions have zero identity besides their head coach who just won you three games. So maybe give me a, give me a little bit to, to move on. And, and once the Lions can start putting together some real football and I have a team back that I can care about, the, the, the Lions were Megatron and Matthew Stafford for a decade plus. And then when Megatron left, it was Matthew like Stafford's pro. line. Okay, Whatever. Sue. But I'm just saying, those were that was a staple. Matthew, St- any team's quarterback, especially when you have a franchise quarterback, with which Matthew Stafford was, anytime a team has a quarterback for that long, that's a big part of your identity as a team. The Lions do not have a franchise quarterback. They have some young talent. They have a good offensive. They do not have an identity right now. Their identity is their head coach. And oh, the they head- have an identity. They're gonna win. They're gonna win seven games minimum next year. Okay, great. That's but that's my point. Is I don't know why. Like it, it, this is this is how I'm staying locked into football in the postseason because my team sucks. They have no identity. And despite what Trent wants to sell you on the show, they've shown me nothing that tells me they're gonna win seven games next year. Trent, nothing at all. At all. So that's we're gonna it. Buy, listen, that's listen. That. We're going to bite a kneecap off. I fucking <laughs> shove it up your ass, Trent. I know. Do you have no, anything else, Trent, no, no, before we move on? That's it. This did feel like a Motown rundown Jesus. circa 2018 conversation. Honestly. We, we, can, we, can, we can shut the book on that one. Go Rams. Go Stafford. Okay. Let's talk about the Pistons, um, and then we'll do the Red Wings to end because they're playing right now, and they're getting absolutely boat raced. Um so last night they played the Nuggets. They lose that one, 110 to 105. Um, you know, I know there's like trade that de- I don't even know when the trade deadline is for the NBA. I know the NHL is not until like the end of March or something. Yeah, it's like. not till February 11th. So I don't really want to. Okay. So yeah. So we're, we're a ways away. But I mean, guys, I'll say this. And, you know, obviously anyone that's listening to the show knows that when it comes time to Pistons talk, I usually shut up because I don't, I'm not very invested. And when it comes time to the wing stuff, that's usually where I, that's my bread and butter. I'll, I'll, I'll just say this on the, on the front of the Pistons. And I know that you guys watch more and you're more in tune to the players and who's playing well, who's not. Obviously, Cade Cunningham has been great and he should win rookie of the year. At least now. I mean, I know he's Evan Mobley's having a good year too. No, but he will end I, up winning it. I, think. I just kind of tell you guys, and maybe this is just me taking the easy way out and beating a dead horse. It, it is just so frustrating to see a team last year that you would presume had a worse roster down the stretch once everyone was traded away and whatnot. They were beating good teams. They strung some wins together. They still get the first overall pick. To me, like they like losing a game like you do, like the Pistons are famous for at least this year. Phil, like somehow will find a way to eat, like get right back in the game. They can't win. They're 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 a bunch of losers. They cannot win. And and you can take whatever angle you want on this trend. 
I'm just letting you know, like the more and more that I, that I hear about scores and watch the little that I do with this team, or when I have to work the Pistons games and I'm in the building, it's just, it's just sad to me because I, you guys, people want to talk about the lions never winning anything, dude, I, I would not be surprised if I, when they lay me down to rest at whatever age, that God is gracious enough to keep me around for. I, I'm never seeing a, a Pistons championship ever again. Give me a break. They suck. Well, They're okay, 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 okay. All They're right. Embarrassing, all right, all right. Trent. They're horrifying. Rev, now I gotta, now I gotta see Brad Galley tweeting about how Hamadou Diallo is a piece for the future. No, Who that was Johnny. That? Johnny, whoever that was, Johnny Kane should be King. reprimanded for some of his. What the tweet. hell are we talking about, dude? Holy listen, Hamadou hey, Diallo. hey, hey. Let's let's settle down for I, a second. I'm on your same page with you on Rabs. That Hamadou Diallo tweet like infuriated. What? Me. It was. I saw that and I was like, "Guys, come on!" Okay, <laughs> like, come Collins. On. I want to. I want to draw a comparison. I want to draw a comparison that I think Collins will agree with. Hamadou Diallo is like last year's Josh Jackson. Like he's playing really well. He's scoring he's like whatever. fifteen a I, night. Yeah. No, I. I mean, it's not whatever because I. I know what you're saying. Think because... He's a player like a contributing player on a good, like a good team. I just don't see that. I don't, I don't, what next year. Listen. So that brings me to my next point, because I, I do think that this team, if you zoom out, man, they beat the Kings the night we recorded last week uh, in, in a great, in great fashion. I think they closed the game like on an eight Oh run or something like that. And win the game that, that to me is pretty sweet. So then you move on from there. You lose to the jazz by 10, you lose to the nuggets by six, you lose to the nuggets again, by five in all three of those games, Cade Cunningham was fantastic. Sadiq Bay is fantastic. Isaiah Stewart's finally starting to get more minutes. So all the things that I want to happen are happening. Granted, I am not the coach or GM. I don't know shit. I'm just a Pistons fan, but I will say when you lose a game by 10, six and five, respectively two really good playoff teams, that tells me that, you know, at least as of late, the way the Pistons are trending, you are like one piece away from being a playoff team or a play-in team. You're like one, you need one more guy. And you know what? It, it sounds silly because maybe that guy is just Jeremy Grant coming back healthy. And maybe these guys finally have chemistry and enough offensive sets to run. And like, actually, you know, it, it's too late now because they started the season five and 30 or whatever it was. But look, man, they've got 11 wins at this point. They're going to end the season. They're going to give that 24 and a half win margin for Vegas a run for its money. I really do think so. Cause like you look at who's coming up. It's like the magic, the Cavaliers, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, the Timberwolves, again, the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are good, but none of these teams are like you, you can let's come on. Like let's string together a couple wins here. Kate's playing great at a career high last night. So my point is to, to loop it all the way back to the Hamadou Diallo thing is like, this team, in my opinion, is one player away, maybe one draft pick away from being like an eight or nine or 10, or maybe even like six, if shit goes their way, team. Like they're like right in that spot because they have such a young core that is so together and a coach that believes in them so much. So to the Hamadou Diallo point, yes, he absolutely could be your seventh or eighth man and play you know, 15 to 20 minutes a game for a playoff or a, a low playoff or play-in team. I don't necessarily think, and, and I think this is what Johnny Kane was inferring, I don't necessarily think that he's going to be a, a, 
you know, a, a, an integral, in, what's the word? Integral, integral. piece. Integral. Yeah. And, and like it right. in wow. five or six years when the team hopefully is back on top of the Eastern Conference and a top three seed in the East. No, I don't think he's going to be here then. But he definitely is going to contribute next season as they just re-signed him this last offseason. He'll, he'll contribute next season and the season after that when this team is climbing its way up the playoff ladder and trying to make a name for itself. I disagree. And, and, and by then, I think Cade Cunningham will be averaging like, I don't know, 23, 8, and 5. I mean, he, yeah. he that's pretty much what he – if you take like his he's 10 best stuck. games of the year, he's that's so what he's – he's been awesome, man. And that, I guess the, 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 the bottom line, and this is obvious because he was the first overall pick, Cade Cunningham's the man. He's the future. He is the Pistons. So he, they will go as far as he takes them. And he is finally starting to come into his own after those first, you know, few tough games. He's finally up to speed in the NBA. I think you're going to see a fantastic final 30 games from him. And that's all I wanted to say. He should win rookie of the year. And if the Pistons, I'm going to say right now, as they're 11, they're an 11 win team. If they hit 20, I think he's going to win rookie of the year because Rookie of the year is not a winning, it's an individual award. Like I know people care about Evan Mobley and like what he's doing and the Cavs are winning, but he's like their third best player. It's not like he is winning them games. He's just a good player on a team with a bunch of good guards. Like dude, Darius Garland for the Cavaliers is averaging 20 and eight. So he's your best player. Whereas here in Detroit, Cade is all you got. You've got Sadiq, who's a bona fide number two or three, and Stewart, who hustles but scored zero points last night, who I love. But go ahead, Collins. I've just been rambling. I love Cade, and I, I do like Diallo, too. I don't necessarily think that he's going to be a piece in five or six years, but for the next two or three years, hell yeah. He can start. He can he can come off the bench. You know, he, he can play 25, 30 minutes a game. He, he's, he's athletic. He scores. He's exciting. He's fun to watch. Well, what's it called? To Rav's point earlier, like, to be honest, I think there's a lot of, and I've been always tuning the horn that, hey, I think the Pistons, whatever, I've been wrong over the last three years. They have not been competitive. They have not been that interesting. But I I, I, I do still think they're, you can make an argument they're the second most interested team in Detroit. I truly believe that because Kate Cunningham, I truly, like, He's like 19, dude. Like, he's going to get, like, and I get the physical aspects and stuff. He's more of a complete player now. That was his whole thing in the draft. He's got a lower floor than most of these guys and might have a lower ceiling. He's going to he's gonna become a knockdown shooter. Truly believe that. Dude, he hit six threes the other night. No, but I, you know what I'm saying, Trey? I think Yeah, yeah, it'll, like, it'll, it'll become consistent. Like, yeah. I think he'll shoot 40% consistently. I think he's a really smart player. And when you get better players in here, which you're going to get, you have the worst record in the NBA. This is a very forward-heavy top half of the draft, and that is what your need is. Yep. You need a dynamic big guy. Because whatever you think of Isaiah Stewart, which, I, I mean, I just think he's probably a rotational big at this point. He's an NBA player. He's a good player. I'm not going to act like he's like the future. But you need a dynamic big guy to play with Cade. And, and Sadiq, I think Sadiq's a piece. I do. I think I you put Sadiq with really talented guys. He could be a perfect third wheel. He can trade a little offense. He just needs to play with better guys. And so does Cade. And help is on the way. It's going to have – like, you're going to get a top five pick this year. Uh, so, I get your frustration, Drabs, but 
the pro the weird thing with the Pistons and I know there's there's a ton of Pistons fans that hate Dwayne Casey and I think Trent's one of them that want him. No, I, I don't hate him. I just struggle with some of the stuff, man. I mean the Corey Joseph and look, Corey Joseph actually has been playing really well and Trey Lyles has too. I just think you know you want to no, talk. I get about, what you're saying. Yeah. You want to talk about guys for the future, man? Hamadou Diallo should be six levels above anything that Trey Lyles or Corey Joseph can do on their best day. So that's just my point with Dwayne Casey. I think Casey's fine. I was really low on him when you had five wins at Christmas, but Hey, they won, they've like won some games like lately and they're like starting to turn things around. So I'm fine with Dwayne Casey. And I always was, I just was kind of like, obviously as Rabs alluded to it, this is just such a disappointing year given what you had last year and you add Kate Cunningham, but you know, ultimately I'm, I'm willing to give Casey one more year next year. Where I'm frustrated, I think, is I look around the rest of the teams in Detroit, like the Tigers and the Red Wings, and maybe it's unfair to do this because going back, and, and Uncle Steve used to say it all the time, Stan Van Gundy sent, sent this team back like a decade. And yep. I just feel like this, this rebuild, this slow, methodical offloading of assets to – now we're going to bring on guys like Mason Plumlee to now. I, I just don't, I don't know how you go from last year as you just said a trend, you go from last year's team who actually put some stuff together towards the end of the year, you add a, the rookie of the year in Cade Cunningham and you're still awful. Like I, I get what you guys are saying. And of course, you know, it's, it's no, secret that this team is still rebuilding you know i guess it hey maybe it takes more than one number one overall pick to to get you over like back to competitive but i just don't i look up and down the roster and it's like yeah sure sadiq is a piece sure isaiah stewart's a piece but like what what else is there are well, you going to try to sell me the well, what's it jackson and diallo and Corey there, the, there is nothing like there, there like, is it's nothing. terrible so what are we doing like so there's no they, what are the assets they have? What are the assets they have? Jeremy They're, Grant? It's all no, no, it's all development. Right? I don't I we we're not arguing about this because Rabs is right. They don't have like Jeremy Grant is still an asset. You can probably not. get something from. <laughs> well, but hey, no, I would argue they don't need assets, dude. They need time. They just need I would agree with that too. they need development. Collins, you said it. Cade's sick, Cade's 19 years old. And one last point before Collins goes. Rabs, you're right that they've been awful this year, but like, dude, they're four and six in their last 10. Like the more these guys start to play together, they're starting to actually be interesting and keep games close. Like the Jazz are a fantastic team. The Jazz are a four seed in the West, which is kind of a big deal. And the Pistons only lose to them by like five or six. Like that's a big deal to me. I don't know. I mean, Rabs, I, I look at like the way you've been evaluating the wings the last two years and you look at, you watch it through the lens of like, okay, these dudes are young. When they get back, like you're Rabs, I know you're all fired up about Cider and, and Raymond, as you should be, right? Because they're proving that yeah, and they're winning they're young. Good. They're young and they're winning. Yes, they're young and they're winning, but they're not a, the That's wings aren't unfair. a playoff team. The wings aren't a playoff team. Like the, it could the, the, be. Okay. You get what I'm saying. Is like the Pistons I, I are four and six in the last 10 games. The more they play together, the better they're looking. And they just got a Linux back. He's playing great. And I okay. don't, he's not don't I don't, the future. I'm going to cut you off. I'm just saying, man, <laughs> they're, they're starting, they're starting to win a little bit and they've got 11 wins right now. And I think they're going to, I think they're going to give that Vegas 24 and a half a run for its money. 
That's all. Okay. Well, I just want to say this. Um, Rams is right. There's not not a lot of things here except Kate Cunningham, who is arguably a top 10 guy under 23. So that's a great starting point. Yeah, I don't know. There's no yes, I don't he's disagree. a ball handler, and you're about to get another top five pick. The problem is, is Sadiq Bey, I think you hit on. I think he's a good NBA player. You said the potential to be something on a good team. Isaiah Stewart, I think it's a rotational player. Problem is, to jumpstart your rebuild, they missed on their last two first-round picks before that with Killian Hayes and Seiko. It's just point blank, right? So they just, they just, and that's what you saw with the wins, kind of. Other than Larkin, there was a lot of, like, I mean, for four years there, we didn't really see a lot of guys, like, they drafted really do anything. You know what I mean? Yep, I, that's fair that you make that comparison. The Rasmussen's and the Zadinas of the world. I it's yeah, they, it, I and then you finally from. made some good draft picks with Cider and with Raymond. It jump starts your thing. You made a good draft in Kate Cunningham, and people want to argue like Evan Mobley. I would rather have Kate Cunningham for what the Pistons are at right now. A million percent, not even close. Well, if you're in a different situation like Cleveland, yeah, you would rather have Mobley because he just fits your roster, whatever. I get that, but. Kate Cunningham on the Pistons, I think he wants to be here. He's a competitive guy. It's going to work out. I'm not worried about it. The Pistons I Pistons will be in the playoffs in two years. I truly believe that. And, and that's they're going to be in the play-in next year. That's not saying much because the NBA, it's it's not that big of an accomplishment to make the playoffs. Raps, I don't know if they're ever going to contend again, but Kate Cunningham is a guy that I am truly confident like he will put this team in the right direction. So – they're so bad, but I'm not concerned at all about the Pistons. I'm actually in a better place with the Pistons than I've been with probably in the last 10 years because they finally have a cornerstone guy. Yeah, I, I just my again, my concern comes with the longevity of it. Because as you, as you said, Collins, like, like you look at how the NBA is, it takes, I mean, a couple superstars and that's, you know, it's game over. That's the teams that you're fighting against. Well, I, I think just, he's going to be a superstar. Yeah, I and I, hey, I, that's a, it's a tremendous piece to have. But, you know, again, you look up and down the roster and that's the concern. Like, is, is Sadiq Bey going to be a guy that can be a part of a championship? Like, is he that, is he good enough? And it, they, you need time. I get, I'll give you that. So whatever, that's my input on the Pistons for the, uh, for the year. So um, we'll go on to wings and then we'll end with a trifecta. So wings right now, I mean, they're playing, they're playing Chicago at home as we speak uh, for nothing. After the first, the wings were down to the point where it was like dead wing territory. Um, they pulled Nadelkovich after the first period, Calvin Picard comes in because I believe Thomas Grice is still in COVID protocol. The wings actually did pop two goals uh, pretty, uh, pretty quickly back to back there. So it's a four, two game with about five minutes left in the second period. But I guess we can back up a bit. Um, I'm pretty sure that we talked about that uh, Red Wings game in Buffalo where they won in overtime. Um, so following that, you lose to the Stars 5-4 to four in OT. You lose to the Predators on the road 4-1. to one. Well, who saw that one coming? Um, and then you have, uh, obviously, tonight's game against the Blackhawks, which is not going in your favor. So, you know, it's tough when you, you have, like, a small sample size like that with the Wings just now. I mean, the Stars game... That's I look, I every time the wings are playing at home, just because of how good they've been and how the you know they've they recognize and feel that that ice tilt a bit when they're at home. 
I, I would always give the Red Wings a chance to win whenever they're playing at home. That's just the kind of team that they've been this year. So the Stars game really, really hurts for you to lose that one. Um, I remember the, the first – I don't think Alex Nadelkovich played very well at all in that game. The first goal of the game, he was kind of out of position a bit, and they snuck one in past his pad, like right by his foot on the post, which was brutal. Um, the Wings answered right back. But, um, you know, most nights when your team scoring four goals, you would like to think that your goalie and your defenseman can – can keep you in the game, but um, they, they end up going shorthanded in, in overtime. And, you know, when you're four on three in the NHL, the writing is kind of on the wall for the most part in most circumstances. So that one was a really, really tough game to drop because that's a game that you, in my eye, should 100% should have won. Dallas just played the night before. Dallas after, and I, I think I've said this last week prior to the game, you know, after their little Stanley Cup run, which was cute, they, I don't like, I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if it's, you know, if Rick bonus and a coach, a, a, a coaching change is necessary. I don't necessarily think that Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben are, you know, two cornerstone pieces that can carry your team to a Stanley cup. I know they got close. Um, I just don't see it between those two guys. Is if you want to look at those as their two like horses on that team. Um, Goaltending wise too, like they're trying to filter in, Udobin and Holpe and Jake Ottinger, and I don't really think that they have the direction set. I don't know why Braden Holpe's on that team, um, but either way, you know, I don't really think they have their direction set as far as um, what they're doing in net. I'm sure, you know, Jake Ottinger will take over the reins here next year in a couple of years. Beside the point, it's not a Dallas Stars podcast. Point being, it's a game you should have won. What? <laughs> just, just one episode or say, not stars. The scoop on the stars. Yeah, whatever. I digress. So then, look, I, the, the Red Wings of the story all year long, they're absolutely abysmal on the road. You play a tough game into overtime on Friday night. You have to go fly out to Nashville and play the next day. It's no kidding. They lost that one four to one. I actually didn't get to watch any of that game. I wasn't surprised. I, you know, again, if I'm. I was a betting man, which I am. You probably want to throw the house on Nashville in that game and they get the job done. Nashville's been having a great year too, by the way. Um, and that's a team that you look at like the middle of the year last year and Nashville was a dumpster fire. I'm pretty sure they had a coaching change and, you know, guys like Matthew Shane, Ryan Johansson are catching heat because they're making a ton of money and they sucked. Um, but now they're kind of putting some stuff together. And the, the direction for that team was really up in the air coming into this year. Like what was the expectation? You know, can they be a team that's going to compete for the playoffs? Is it time to rebuild? Who knows? So Nashville has been good. So don't take any credit away from them. Then you come home and you're playing the Blackhawks right now. And like, again, that's another game that I look at this and go, Hey, your last game was Saturday. You're playing here on a, on a Wednesday, you're at home against the Blackhawks team that really isn't very good. Um, you know, obviously, anytime you have Marc-Andre Fleury in that, you have a chance to win uh, many, many games. And that's the case here tonight with uh, the Blackhawks. And um, I haven't been able to watch the game because we've been recording the podcast, but it sounds like the the Wings are just asleep at home, um, you know, from the from my analysis, I'm getting from my buddy T Wills, who's texting in, who's who is beside himself that I'm not watching the game. It's it just sounds like it's one of those games where the Blackhawks are all over the ice and the wings are standing still and not getting many chances. But you have back to back goals from Robbie Fabry and Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, so as far as look, we'll see how that game ends up. Um, but I guess as far as the angle here on the wings now, um, you know, I, I think the the, the storyline continues to be. Um, you're, you're still kind of waiting for Jacob Rana to come back. I can't wait to see him inserted in this lineup. Um, I will give credit to Jeff Blashill because I was very, very skeptical of 
breaking that first lineup of Bertuzzi, Larkin, and Raymond. Um, now you have Nemesnikov has been getting more time on that top line. Uh, and, and Tyler Bertuzzi has been playing more with that uh, with the Suter and Fabry mix. And you see tonight, that line has both the goals tonight. Um, they've been producing pretty well, and I think it's all thanks to Tyler Bertuzzi. I mean, he seems to have been kind of the missing piece of that line. But, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's all about your depth of scoring. And I think that those bottom two lines right now are – Two lines you're looking at, you know, you're looking at the Adam Ernie's of the world and kind of looking to get him going again. Um, Joe Valeno has become a staple on that fourth line with Giovanni Smith and Sam Gagne. Um, and, and, and I guess leading into like a bigger discussion of what we'll have to end up talking about as far as the trade deadline goes. And I bring it up because I was listening to, I think, maybe Carson Anderson on 97.1 today. And for whatever reason, they were talking about like the trade deadline and like pieces of this Dude, Red Wings Carson team. Anderson is, I don't listen to them a ton, but like I'll be in the car every once in a while. And I'm like, that. I by the way, I will give them credit. They're like the only show in Detroit that actually talks about the wings. Yes. They like, yeah, they do. I, yeah. I will give them credit for that, but you'll just be like, sometimes you know, I'm like, harsh. why are you talking about Joe Hickens? Like what is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But it was just, they were talking about like the wings trade deadline. And, and I'm like, I think like what date is it? Cause I don't think the deadline till the end of March. Um, what are we going to do? Nothing. <laughs> well, I it's see, and that's, that's kind of what they were talking about. And the reason why I bring it up is because I'm looking at this pipeline now of, of this Red Wings talent. And I, I think that the window for a couple players on this team is starting to close. And one of those players is Michael Rasmussen. I would say another one of those players is Philip Zadina. Um, I look at the back end too. And, you know, it, it's the wings are in a good spot because a guy like Nick Letty, for example, or a guy like Mark Stahl, or even a Danny DeKaiser, which would suck to see him traded. But I think it's, you know, I think the writing's kind of on the wall that he probably won't be back beyond this year because his contract is up at the end of this year. I, I, I think that you are in a good spot because if you're if you're thinking that you're in a spot where you can maybe contend for the playoffs, which I've said it before, I, the Wings will get close. They are not good enough to be a playoff team this year. They're too inconsistent. They cannot win on the road, and unless that changes, they have no shot. But they're fighting a battle of really, really good hockey teams being ahead of them. So – you have you have definitely have assets to offload, and as you've seen Steve Eiserman do as recently as last year with with packaging some picks to to go get Sebastian Kosa in the first round. You know you can you can trade a Nick Letty for a third round pick. You can trade a Danny DeKaiser for I don't know a fifth. Like you, there's 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 moves that you can make that can give can bring you draft capital. And I think that what, what's so unique about hockey and, and, and what's unique about it is the fact that you know you can take a guy like um you know look at lucas raymond for example he can go over you know he can continue to play overseas in the shl he can play for grand rapids you can keep him around the organization and there's a lot of times where you can just roll the dice with these guys and say like, okay you know we'll go throw you on loan over to go play in europe or you can you know spend some time in the ahl and guys have the the opportunity to develop in these in these organizations, unlike, you know, the NFL where you have your one team, if you're not on the 53 man roster, you know, you're not getting a crack or, 
the NBA, you know, it's a smaller roster and, you know, the G league is, is what it is. But, and then, and, you know, in baseball too, is a similar situation of, you know, you have the minor league system, but just hockey's so unique in that way where draft picks matter. Like it's, it's not like you're trading away players on the Pistons for a second round pick that you might not ever see play for your team. You know, like the picks, the picks do matter. And especially when you can talk about picks being packaged to move up in, in the draft. So um, I would say that the wings are definitely going to have to be sellers, but at, at a certain point, we're going to have to talk about like, Hey, you know, Jonathan Bergeron's having a tremendous year in Grand Rapids. Is that a guy that can make the jump next year and come play in the NHL? Um, you know, you're looking at guys like Liam Dower Nelson there or Nielsen that are playing. And I think he's still playing in the top junior league in Sweden. Who's having a really good year uh, in, in the junior leagues. I don't think that you'll see him in North America next year, but he's a name to watch out for. Robert Mastro Simone is playing for Boston university. Who's on. It seems like he's on the, the sports center top 10 every other night with some of the goals that he's scoring. So, so all these guys that are Iserman guys that are starting to kind of show their worth and look, <laughs> And like, hey, if these guys can project out to the way they're looking in, in uh, you know, playing their pro hockey in Sweden or playing their junior hockey or playing their NCAA hockey, you know, we're going to have to have some tough conversations about about guys that in Collins, you brought it up earlier, you know, a guy like Michael Rasmussen, an early draft pick that you that never can really seem to take he that sucks, next step because. Good. Well, because a guy like Michael Rasmussen, like Joe Valeno was essentially playing a Rasmussen type role right now on the fourth line. And I would go as far as to say is Valeno is a couple years younger. I think his offensive, I think his, his skill set is a lot. The ceiling for his skill set is a lot higher than Rasmussen's. He's not as big as Michael Rasmussen, but he's still a big center that can play in the, on the third line and, you know, contribute in all three zones. And, and I think has a better scoring touch than Michael Rasmussen. So that's a guy who might be out on his way out soon. And who knows, maybe Rasmussen's a guy that on a team that does, isn't really deep in their bottom six, is really looking for a big center like that to eat up minutes um, and, and he you know, sucks, dude. I've had that, enough. Of well, <laughs> I just I think again, Collins, you're you're looking when you look at the Red Wings. The story is, you know, where are you getting secondary scoring? And when he's not a guy that can contribute to the secondary scoring, Him it's like Sadina. okay, there's there's so many there's so many guys that can play the role that he's playing on this team. You know, it's not that hard to go out there and eat minutes and put up six goals and 10 assists in 30 games. There's a lot of guys that can do that for you. So that's what I mean when I say that's a conversation that might has to might have to be had. Philip Zadina, of course, the skill is there. You haven't, you don't really see it night in, night out playing two-way hockey his whole thing was like this is a you know he's a natural goal scorer and he's really not lighting up the score sheet again so the trends point earlier young guy there's still time but it see it feels like Philip Zadina has been here for long enough and Michael Rasmussen has been here for long enough Philip Zadina's playing top six to middle six minutes it's not like he's being cheated out of ice he just can't get going and, and that's a guy too, who, you know, I, like you, you look up and down the wings pipeline and, and you know, Taro Hirose leads uh, the Grand Rapids Griffins in points this year. You, you haven't, you haven't seen him up yet uh, um, playing in, playing in the NHL. So is that a guy that you can bring up and produce at the same rate as Zadina right now? Probably, honestly, I, mean, I could. Well, I, you know, Zadina still, I'm you know, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm I know kidding. that, but I, but he, but 
you know, so that, just I can't just, score. He is like one of those guys who is snake bitten. And I don't, again, I don't know what it's, it's going to take. He plays power play minutes. He plays, you know, usually he's playing on that second line or that third line on any given night. So I don't know if it's going to take a guy like, does Jacob Verona come in the lineup and play with Zadina and all of a sudden, you know, can get him going. So I don't have the answers. Uh, I would like to think that Steve Eiserman has, you know, he has the Eiser plan of what he wants to do. And again, at the end of the day, guys, Philip Zadina and Michael Rasmussen are not Steve Eiserman's guys. So if he doesn't see the fit, then it's I'm fine with you moving on because you know the obviously with them being young guys like they still have time to develop but the league is just getting younger and younger. Lucas Raymond's playing at 19 years old right now. Most Siders playing at 19 years old. They're tearing it up. They're two of your best players on your team, and it's like you know, hey Phil Ras, where are you guys at? Razors lighting it up. You know that's probably what's going on in the room. A little back and forth, and guys, you know. Him and Han, but uh, no, but you know, I, I just look. I the, the the Red Wings, as far as the rebuild is concerned, and I, I've just been very pleased with it all. And I, I think even looking at guys who haven't even signed their entry level deals, your Simon Edmondsons, your Elmer Soderbloms, your you know all these uh, Jonathan Bergerins. Like I, I, I keep you know he, again, he's the second second on the team in points in Grand Rapids, like. Don't don't be don't be upset if if the Red Wings are sellers and are selling guys that you think, well, wait a minute, these guys are supposed to be. Hey, if the value, the value for Phillips Adina right now might be as high as it's ever going to be. The, the value for Michael Rasmussen might be as high as it's ever going to be. You know, you look at teams like Edmonton, who, you know, their bottom six doesn't really contribute much to that team at all. That's a guy Rasmussen could go in third line center over there. By all means, do what you got to do, Ras. Be that rough and tough guy. Put the puck in the net when you can. Be that big body that can they can take up space. Get your stick in the lane on the penalty kill, and you know, and and, and be a, a bit of sandpaper. Not that he's like the grittiest guy in the world, but you know, whatever. It is what it is. Because there's there's other guys coming, and the reality of the NHL these days is you don't have to wait until a guy's 24 years old to start producing. You're watching it right now. You're watching a guy like Trevor Zegers. So I'll tra- I'll I will segue into that to end. But you're looking at a guy like Trevor Zegers coming at you know. 18, 19, 20 years old, um, being one of the top point producers on his team. So um, it, it's all good on in, in the hood here in the D. Um, Alex Nelkovich has not <laughs> has not been good as of late, unfortunately. Um, but goaltending wise, that was my question, Rabs. Yeah, well, look, I I had Uncle Steve comes out of the rafters today. Said it's his first Wings game he's watched in seven or eight years, and. It's unacceptable how the Delkovich has been pulled like five times. I don't know if that's even true. Maybe Red Wings goalies in total between oh. Rice and the Delkovich have been pulled five times total. But look at his stats. The numbers don't lie. His, his save percentage is, is solid. His goals against average is solid. Sometimes the Wings just don't well, have the it. The timeline, too. The timeline, right? And I understand a hockey timeline is a little bit longer than, say, a basketball Especially for goalies. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, all I was going to say was when I went to LCA last month for the Pistons-Oakland – or not Pistons, for the Michigan State-Oakland game, I was on the hunt for a Red Wings uh, team shop – and I couldn't find one that had any of the Delkovich jerseys because I was actually going to buy one. I had the money in hand. I was ready to roll. You want to buy the Delkovich jersey? I, love I feel them. like they're in there. They're, yeah, no. I, well, no, by they, the way, they, the Wings just they, scored again. That Suter line, Pew Suter by Fabry from Fabry and Austerly. So, so it's there you four, go. Three, Do you see goal, by the way, Rebs? No. They, no. I mean, the goalie for the Black. I don't know who's who's Chitadra's bat for Flurry. Uh, oh, God. Kevin Lincoln, maybe? 
something like that. He literally just threw him a pass, and it was like, okay, one. It, it was a who's just in a that? pizza. What? Who's in that? Flurry? It's not Flurry. I don't know who's their backup. Oh, it's not I Flurry. I, I don't think so. No, it says Flurry on here. Does it? I must have been re- yeah. watching it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Flurry. <laughs> He's got I don't care. A lot of three goals. Yeah, but Trent, Trent. As far as the goalies are concerned. I, I would have to imagine that this is probably the last year you see Thomas Grice here. Um, he hasn't had a tremendous year. He's always been, I, and I say it all the time, you look at the way the guy finishes every season, he's always above a 90% state percentage. He's usually under three goals against, you know, so for for what for what he provides to this team as a veteran presence to be in the room and to mentor a guy like Nadalkovich, I think it's, it's tremendous, um, but I, I think that it's the direction is very clear, and I think that the Steve Eiserman believes in Alex Andalkovich. Again, it, 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 the, top, the goalie development scale, it, it takes a lot longer for more goalies than not to reach that point. Look at Carter Hart in Philly. Like Carter Hart came out with a, having an absolutely unbelievable like first-year rookie campaign. He's been very, very average ever since. So, it, it, and, you know, granted, I think Carter Hart's a bit more tightly or highly touted than Alex Nadelkovich, but I have all the confidence in the world in that, and I think that now that they've given him the net a bit more, he's he's admittedly struggled in the last couple of games. Like, you know, it is what it is, but um, I but they've think they've been that, on the road, right? Like, that's the story of the season? Well, yeah, I mean, the the I think he started the Preds game, and against the Stars, he wasn't great at all. Um, and did he start the Stars game or the Predators game? Maybe that was gross. Yeah. No, no, he did. No. Was it Picard? There was none, Oh, Nadalkovich, because Picard was – I mean, Picard's in the net now because obviously, yeah. Dude, you know, I'm sure look, Rabs, I had a whole I, Rabs, I had a whole rundown of stats from the last three games, but the, you you beat me to the punch. So. Well, bring them up. What are the stats? We'll no, no, that was you. it. I had I had Nadelkovich stats. It, basically, the save percentage hasn't been above ninety in the last three games. I know that's yeah. the number, right? That's always the number. It's like if. Yeah, exactly. It is the number. That's like the threshold. So, hey, I mean, Sebastian Cosa is having another unbelievable year playing junior hockey. Is that a guy? And he's he's already signed his entry level deal. So um, do I see him being on the Red Wings next year? Probably not. No, I would like to think that he gets a year under his belt or, or two in uh, Grand Rapids before you pull him up. Yeah, Collins, your point. Calvin Picard still. Calvin Picard's been unbelievable in the AHL, though. I'll give him that. He's been tremendous. He's been, for I'm just saying. I feel like I've heard that name for like ten years. Well, he's been great for the for the Griffins. So twenty. Yeah, I don't know. But my here's here's my here are my parting words. Um, this is and this is something that just I gotta pull hold on one second. One second here. I gotta pull something up. I'm pulling something up on the laptop because I, I want to get on a soapbox yeah, everyone here for just, a bit. Every, everyone calm down. Everybody just calm down. So for whatever reason, and I guess it's just like how the media is and you're trying to keep things interesting and, and, and whatnot, you know, and I, I get it. I get it, right? But there's all this talk about who is going to win the Calder Trophy this year. Uh, and that's the rookie of the year in the NHL. And for whatever reason, Every single time I look at like what the what the rankings are, the power rankings, who is putting Trevor Zegras above Lucas Raymond in in, in Mo Sider? I'll give you some stats. I, I, so, I want you to enlighten me on this topic because I'm going to tell you everywhere. Apparently, it's an outrage, and like judging off of what you've told us and stuff all season, like I, it should be a no brainer. No. I'm gonna. I'm going to tell you the reason why Trevor Zegras right now is the quote unquote favorite to win this award. It's because he's like cool and trendy. That's why he had an. He obviously, 
his world junior performance with team USA was unbelievable. I'll never forget watching it. He pulls that little like Michigan move flip over the net to Sonny Milano. That gets, you know, everyone gets their rocks off on that. Like, cool. But let me, let me throw some numbers at you. Cause numbers don't lie, especially for an award, like the Calder Memorial trophy for rookie of the year. And it's a sport like hockey where the score sheet usually tells damn near the whole story for a lot of these guys. Rookie offensive leaders, points in first place, Lucas Raymond with 33 in second place, Trevor Zegras with 30. He's got more points than the guy. Goals, first place, Tanner Janot from Nashville having a, having a solid year. Lucas Raymond in second with 11 goals. Trevor Zegras has 10 goals. He's in third place. Assist leaders, 23 assists. Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, 22 assists. Trevor Zegras, 20 assists. He isn't beating either of these guys in a fucking category. And I got to listen to Trevor Zegras. Why? Because he's got nice hair and because he speaks better English and he's funnier with the media than Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider. Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider are playing for the Detroit fucking Red Wings, not the Anaheim fucking Mighty Ducks. How Give does me a that break. have anything to do with because they're playing for Steve Eiserman and Nick Lidstrom. They, they're here There's to win. To they're here to go win Stanley Cups. The Anaheim Ducks are all about flash and show, and their jerseys suck. No one takes them seriously. The Mo Sider and Lucas Raymond are here to do a job. They're here to go be future Hall of oh, Famers and go I, win Stanley I, Cups. You are, with Lidstrom and Eiserman and Brendan Shanahan. Are you them and all those too? guys. No, I'm just saying it's ridiculous that we're even. Can you bet on it? Are you, should are be you? in the conversation. Yeah, so you can bet, bet on, on it. it. You can bet then, on it. I then bet on it. Bet on it. I will. But yeah. it's just ridiculous how the NHL is propping Trevor Zegers up because he's like, oh, there's some funny videos of him putting on like goalie pads during a practice. Who the fuck cares? The why is this trophy about? Hockey is usually so good about like, it's it's about your performance. It's, it's about integrity. results. It's, it's not this popularity. dog and pony show. It's not about popularity. Like again, the NBA, LeBron James should probably win the MVP every year. Like that's that they don't because it's not trendy or flashy. By the way, Alex Nadelkovich is considered a rookie this year. I don't know if you guys know that, but he leads all rookie goaltenders and wins with 12. The next closest guy has nine and Capo Kakunen with, with Minnesota. He has one shutout this year, Ned, which is behind Dan Vladar. I don't even know. Vladar Vladar from Calgary. He's got two shutouts and that has one. And then when you talk about save percentage, Nadelkovich is in fourth place with a 0.915. Kalkunin's got a 0.921. Then Nadelkovich is right up there again, too, with goals against average at 2.84. And the leader right now is Jeremy Swayman, who just got sent down to the AHL because Tuka Rask is back with, with Linus Olmark in Boston. So you got three Red Wings who could legitimately all win the Calder Memorial Trophy, and it's not going to be Nanelkovich, but it could be Sider or Raymond, both of which should get it over Trevor Zegers right now, and I'm assuming unless something crazy happens at the end of the year too. So that's my soapbox speech. This is bullshit. It's an absolute joke that I got to listen to Trevor Zegers is in contention to win this. I mean, he should be in contention. He shouldn't win it. That's all I have to say. Go Wings. 4-3 going into the third right now uh, at home, and then who do they play next? Oh, they have the pain. Yeah, you know, the wing schedule too. like they're going to have some tough games. They're going to play the Maple Leafs at home this Saturday. I'll be working that game. I can't wait for They're going to go see the Penguins the night before, though, which blows because that's going to be a tough back to back. They got to play. But hey, you got the Kings. You got the Flyers back to back. Like You got some winnable games in there. But I mean, guys, I'm looking at this schedule in February after February 12th. 
when you play the Flyers at home, you go on the road to the Wild, on the road to the Rangers, you host the Avalanche, you play the Leafs again, the Hurricanes, the win, Lightning has punched win, my mic, I'm sorry. Win, the Hurricanes, win. the Lightning, the Panthers. I mean, it is it is win, 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 a win. tough, tough stretch coming up, but great team. Been a they're going to win. Like, they're, they're, they're winning seven out of nine, Rabs. They're going to put us right back. I hope I would be enthralled, but that's all I have. All right, go Wings. I've got a trifecta. We can wrap things up. Um, question number one, are you hot in gambling right now? NFC, AFC championship weekend <laughs> coming up. I just want to know, like, have you been betting? Yeah, I had a good, uh, I bet on Mahomes. That's what I will continue to do until someone beats him. You know, Collins, I, this is actually kind of a dumb question. Cause this is like the fantasy football thing where like, I no one really cares about. Well, just like no one cares about your bets that you won. Like no one's yeah, ever. Yeah, because that one guy, everyone has that buddy. Yes. Who just started betting, and he's like, "Hey, dude, look how sick this is. Look at this yeah. sick game I won." Like, right? I, oh, will, I, I will. Like, and no one wants that. Every now and then, though, we all like to like pump our chest a little. Is that the term? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I will say. Two weeks ago, this was the Cardinals game. I may have already mentioned it, mentioned this. Cardinals Rams. I, I bet on Matthew Stafford to have a rushing touchdown plus twelve hundred. That hit. That was amazing. And then last weekend, I did a parlay on all the uh, underdogs, and I cashed out before the Bills game. So I that hit as well. And that's all. Rabs. So you been... used to this trench drive after the yeah, bread. Yeah, about you. yeah, I did. Yes, exactly. But I, hey, I want to hear how your guys' action has been in these NFL playoffs. Rabs. I don't know. I what's it called? I've been, I'm starting to get down the rabbit hole again, which is never good for me. When I it, <laughs> wait, college wait, what's, basketball what's season you is so... never. Oh, good. well, yeah. college hoops is a different monster. What what sports books do you guys use? By the way, no free ads, but what's all of them. Oh yeah. Really? You yeah. you guys you guys gotta get the promo in every single one? Yeah. I did I'm fighting with FanDuel right now. I'm owed a bonus. I haven't seen it yet. They won't get back to me. Okay, well, okay. Well, Rabs, how is your actual betting stuff gone? I assume you bet on the Rams last weekend. I did bet on the Rams and I was very, very reluctant to because I usually have this problem to where anytime I like bet on a team of mine that I want to win, they lose. So I didn't bet on the Rams in their divisional game because I that was my excuse. Like, if I bet the Rams, you're going to get smoked. But I was like, you know what? It's I like the odds here, and I like, you know, I, I'm going to bet on Stafford, and it won me some money. What I've been doing recently is betting, like, anytime touchdown scores. And I had Dawson Knox in the, in the Chiefs game. That didn't happen. Van Jefferson didn't get in the end zone for me in the Rams game. Um, usually I feel confident on those, but. Well, it's those are fun because when you look at the odds to them, it's like some of these players, like George Kittle in that Packers game. Obviously, he didn't score, but he was like plus one eighty or something. Yeah, exactly. Like it, the it's odds fun, are decent. It's, it's fun to look at that kind of stuff, and I put parlays together for those, like touchdown scores, because yeah, I haven't had one hit yet, but I'll do like three guys, and the payout is like it's like five to win ninety. Sometimes it's fun. Yeah, I just I I truthfully I don't I don't ever bet on the NBA. I get sent NBA parlays every single day from my friends. I never bet them. I've been damn good on hockey this year, like really good with hockey. Um, but yeah, as far as football goes, I just I don't know. I'm in a point where it's like. I'd rather have some fun and, you know, play for some good odds and throw a unit on a certain guy to score a touchdown or be the first down first, you know, first touchdown score of the game. Like I like the props, but 
I don't know. So so. I mean, is anyone ever really hot in gambling? Because it well, all water no, always finds its level. It's the million that. dollar question. Million dollar question. No pun intended. Question Even number if I two. Was, I would never tell you guys. <laughs> yeah, because you don't want to jinx it, and you don't want yeah. us to know that you have a lot of money. Question yeah. number two. Um, who is the best Trailer Park Boys character, and why is it Jim Leahy? Oh. Uh, I what's so I've watched Trailer Park Boys in a very, very, Dude, very I, long time. I hadn't either, and then I saw an episode last night. And I forgot how much I love that show. <laughs> I just love Canadian humor, like stuff like that makes me laugh. Yeah, it is. It, it's a. It's definitely a different kind of humor, and it. I think it feeds directly into a lot of the shit we talk about on here. So, anyways, I just wanted to. Yeah, Rab seems like I love. Yeah, Trailer like Park like Trailer Park yeah, Boys changed my life. Can I, can I preface this? I have to say that like Trailer Park Boys is rad for me like it just is <laughs> and not, yeah that and letter kenny are yeah. definitely <laughs> I, did, I didn't I think watch, there's a new season of letter kenny out i gotta I did, watch it i didn't watch trailer park boys until covid so like that whole uh, like the first two years of us doing this podcast and rams and make like references to trailer park boys and stuff i never understood them and now i do and it's just it's great so Rams, you have julian. a favorite character julian like, julian's great i love when they get like, me too. i have so hard for no reason I love when they roll the car and he gets out and he's still holding his drink. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's always had his drink. What's that? He's always had his drink. No, I know, mm-hmm. but like the car flips, like the car, oh, like yeah. and he gets out and he's holding it and there's no liquid out of it. But I'll say right. this: so what's it called? I don't like Ladder Kenny. I know we've had this conversation, Rabs. Uh, Tried it, didn't like. It. I like Trailer Park Boys, but no, I believe I Letter Kenny. I get. I I, try, I get it all. I get. I, I try. I get this both sides of the Letter Kenny. The like YouTube videos were hilarious. I just don't. Yes. Like the show. What so Trent is the question? Who I think the best one is or my favorite? Who's your favorite? God. Ah, uh, who is my favorite Trailer Park Boys character? I mean, dude, Leahy is. May he rest in peace. Jim Dunsworth, I think is his name. Yeah. But I <laughs> just the fact that the guy, I don't even think he drinks like the actor. I don't think he drinks in real or did not drink in real life. And if he just plays like just such a great actor, the way that he plays Leahy and it's just like you, know, you, you hate Leahy, but you love him and you have sympathy for him. Leahy's great. I think a very, very underrated character is Ricky's dad, Ray. I think he is absolutely hysterical. Um, uh, Philadelphia Collins, may he rest in peace too. Um, he, I mean, what Phil Collins is like, anytime the guy's on screen, it's hysterical. Uh, Corey and Trevor, great. I don't really like Jacob all that much, but I, dude, it is trailer park boys. I don't, I, I know who, I mean, I, my, one of my best friends in the world, Josh is the one that introduced me to the show. I don't remember how old we were or like how or why we started watching this show, but we watched it and like our lingo has forever been changed. Like the things we find funny has forever been changed. Like that's the go-to show of like, you want to laugh your ass off. Like you throw on trailer park boys and it's just game over. So a tremendous show. Great yeah. plug. Nice little tribute to them. I would say my hot take is that I don't think J rock is that funny. And that's, I, I just don't. I don't get into it that much. My roommate. Oh, dude, J Rock's great. You're crazy. No, J Rock is awesome. I just no. I think he's fun. I just don't think he's like. I don't know. You, you look at Collins. I, you'll probably you'll probably know what I'm talking about. You know these like stupid rabbit holes you get down, or you watch videos of like 
like like characters and stuff that are like ranked or like you look at lists of like ranked characters from reality tv shows or something i saw one on trailer park boys and it was just all like j-rock they said j-rock's number one best character Dude, uh, he's, just, he's a great actor too that guy yeah i just can't i i can't it's get like people him. like he i don't know i i trailer i'm gonna be the first to say trailer park boys is like not my like favorite tv show but it's a good like you put it on good a couple laughs i love that okay for the last one since that question was sort of tailored towards rabs i have another tv question for collins what's your favorite oh like either e or vh1 pick one Oh my one god! Network. I, I don't know anything on either. So no, no. So so Collins, you didn't watch Kardashians, Rebs? Oh, no, I've been, dude, I've been, no. I've been, no. Collins, that was the birth of this question. I have been watching so much Kardashian stuff on Sunday. Week. No, I just go on YouTube. I just watch random what? videos. Okay. You guys have to. You guys have to stop doing that. I. You guys no, just feed no, into this Rebs, machine of bullshit. It's like why the world is the it. way it is. It's a huge part of why the, this world Rabs, is the it's way it so is. It's so entertaining. It's so entertaining. There's a lot of things. You don't like reality TV, I'm assuming, Rabs, right? I I just think that like I you are just feeding into the beast of like the Kardashians are so talentless. Nothing. Dude. That's what they are. Oh, great. There's a lot of entertaining yeah. things. Listen, Rabs, I, I'm not sitting down and binge watching. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sitting down and binge watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. What I'm saying is like, if it's before, on, I'll watch it. If it's on, I'll watch it. And like before bed, I'll be laying there and I'll like watch like it's a, a great Sunday. Of, yeah, Kim and Kim and uh, it's Courtney a great and physical show. altercation. It's hilarious. I laugh my ass off. Before like the table cutting and cord cutting and all that, Kardashians. Bar Rescue, um, House Hunters are like Sunday TV staples where you're like, okay, it's not, it's like February, so there's no NFL on. You already watch like the one o'clock CBS Big Ten basketball game. You're like, I don't have anything to do until like the nine o'clock HBO show. I'm going to watch Kardashians for about eight hours because they're entertaining. Um, I do like the Kardashians. I'm trying to think. Trent, I, I'm about to name so many shows you don't even understand or know. Yeah, um, no, I. this is why this is a you question, because you have two Eric, siblings. Eric Decker had a reality show with Jesse James, a country singer, for about two seasons. That was fantastic. Um, enjoyed that. Um, I just love dumb things. I really do. Um, VH1, a rock of love, just with Brett Michaels. You may now leave the bus like that, <laughs> like yeah. flavor flave. Like in my house, that was an like appointment television. Like seriously, we every Thursday night we were watching Jersey Shore. I think I've already said that on this podcast. Jersey Shore was great. Well, it's like well, rock, flavor flave is flavor flavor of love and I love New York are like the pinnacles of well, reality can- TV. Can I address something Rabs just said? Because like for you to say Jersey Shore is great, how is that not feeding into like the, the Yeah, I don't understand. No, dude, because, but, uh, because how is the that Cardin- any no different one, than the no one from the Jersey like granted, yes. The, the some of the folks from the Jersey Shore had their notoriety, like they had their day, you know, they had their 15 minutes They're of fame. All rich still. I but dude, the Kardashians like won the world. They're not don't don't because they're do not they put, are smart people. I would not call them smart. <laughs> you, to be a billionaire, Rebs, you have to be smart. I would. I don't know if I would call any of that smart. I think so, the Jersey Shore was. Kim Kardashian, I think, made like two hundred million off her app. What's her app? She had. Do you not remember the Kim Kardashian app when we were like in middle school? 
No. She had like that whole app. It's like how to be famous and whatever. It was like a game. I'm just saying, Rebs, I get what you're saying, but for like everyone, Rebs, you're like you're feeding into it. I get it, but like most reality TV shows, like you said, that you have like five to six years of notoriety and then you kind of just like fade into like being a weird, like, oh, what is this guy up to? What is Brooke Hogan up to? Like you just like say, see random people on Instagram. It's just, I can't believe we're talking about this on the show. But. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we can move on. I just wanted yeah, to but, know, uh, what's your final answer? VH1? I love New York. I love New York. I was like six years old when that show came out, and it was like one of my favorite things of all time. I love New York. That girl, New York, a queen, an absolute queen. All right, perfect. That's all. Thanks for coming. That's all I got. That that was the third question? Yeah. Oh, I thought I thought it was like 2A, 2B. No, that was the third question. I have a third question if you want. I have a list. You don't have a third question. No, I do. I do. I go to the dentist tomorrow. How often do you guys go to the dentist? Every six months. Question. And I think if you don't go every six months, you're an absolute scumbag and you're disgusting. <laughs> you disgust me. Go to the dentist. Like I think most people go to the dentist. I don't know. I know some people go. I haven't been to the, the dentist. The people who don't go to the years. dentist are the people who dip, point blank. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to deal with the uh, – Yeah, that's just it. Yeah. No, I – Okay, well, that, that's it. That, uh, so do I. That was my third – that was really my third question, but then I got sparked by the, you know, whatever. That's all. Okay. Anything else to cover today? Uh, go Stafford, go Rams. Yes. One pride. Go green Saturday. Yes, um, go green. Anything else? What What is the Rams, like, thing? What's their – oh, our house, They don't right? have a thing because they're the L.A. Rams. No, it's it's <laughs> – this yeah, it's something about their house, right? Our it's house. Our house. That's what they're. It's not here. their house. Which is it's like the most seventy-five percent. It's like the most generic sports like mantra ever is our house. Well, you know, Collins is right. The reason they do that is because they have to try to compensate for the fact that like it's always opposing fans that take over their place. So they're trying to like spark. They're trying to speak it into existence. I don't know. Whatever. Wrap it up, Rabs. End the show. All right. Jeez. All right. We're out of here. Uh, <laughs> that's all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown. For Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins, I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Hey, submit any questions. Oh, my God. Someone submitted a question, and I fucking forgot about it. Oh, my God. Is it Nick, someone we know? Nick Strom. You guys might know Nick. I don't know. Should I be saying people's last names on the interwebs, too? <laughs> Yeah, well, well whatever. Well. My buddy, my buddy Nick, he sent in a question. It was a great question, too. It was a really, really good. Can I read it right now? Can yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do can it. We, let's is do that it. okay with everyone? We can Fuck. backtrack. People have probably already tuned the episode out. We've, had, on. we've had one question. I say you years. wait so we can right. actually discuss it. Okay, we can wait. We're waiting. We're, 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 we're going wait. on like two hours. We're, we're waiting. Wait, Nick. Okay. All right, we're going to wait. Trent, you have to remind me next week. I, I will. I will. That's my job. But, gotcha. but thank you to Nick, who submitted a question. If you have a question, comment, concern, or want to suggest a topic for the show, uh, hit us up at Motown underscore rundown on Twitter. We also have a Facebook page. Um, just search up the Motown rundown. Uh, do not miss a single episode. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe, follow us, whatever. Rate us five stars. Say something nice. Um, New episodes every single week. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next time.